I am recording. I am recording. I am recording. I am recording. Hi, Jay. Hey, Tyler. <laughs> Hi, Jay. Why, why, are you, why are you laughing? That was that rhythm. Uh, it's, it's like it's like we never missed a beat. And I, yeah, the well-oiled, back, well-oiled machine. Dear listener, you're hearing uh, the wonderful return of Mr. Jason McGillicuddy Fryer. Yes. Uh, as well as Jimmy Bruce Dykstra. Woot. Yeah. Uh, and we also welcome Christine Wagner is back. Hello. Hello happy to be back. Uh, happy to be building my brand as the Taylor Swift uh, guest. Yeah, yeah. Um, the So... Uh, First off, how's how's everybody doing? Really good. Great. Excellent. <laughs> I, I I feel like I have good, a little bit of show notes. and tell, which is always great again on an audio podcast, but I you guys will yeah. see, you know. I've started a new job, uh, dear listener. I change every two years apparently. Uh, I, I am yeah. in my new office. Uh, and knowing that we are gonna record through the lunch hour today, I, I feel like this is important to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bought a new lunchbox for myself. Uh, I did not steal this from the children. Your first grown-up lunchbox. I intentionally purchased a a dinosaur's lunchbox, uh, and my wife wrote my name on the inside. It is, yeah, yeah. It is a soft dinosaur lunchbox, like what you would get in the kids' aisle at Target. Yeah, Yeah. but weirdly, it looks. It has. It's soft, and it has all kids' design. But it's all of the dinosaurs being vicious, viciously torn apart. I mean, it's. It looks bloody. (laughs) Oh yeah, they are all dead. I. Yeah, I hope. Yeah. I mean, there there are uh, volcanoes I on the back. I hope you stole too, that from so the like, kids. I mean, they are. This yeah. is all these finest, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and then it says at the bottom, "Death awaits us all." That's yeah. that's <laughs> a weird children's lunchbox. But you're yeah, all gonna die. Anyway, hi everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there was no segue out of that. That was you know. <laughs> all right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about today with midnights and uh, our opening question. Uh, it relates to this. So uh, Taylor Swift has been um, very hard at work, basically doing cover albums of her albums. So she has uh, spent, uh, she's already done Fearless uh, and Red. Fearless and Red. And then we all were like, "There, this is great. They're going to come every six months. And that was seven years ago. We haven't gotten any more. Uh, I, uh, if you listen to the last uh, Taylor Swift podcast we did, which, by the way, has been taken off of Spotify in the, in the, <laughs> as of this recording, it's not available on Spotify because uh, thank you, Scooter Braun. But it's still available on Apple Podcasts and other things. So either you are like, what are you talking about? You didn't do a Taylor Swift episode or you listen on Apple Podcasts. Blame Joe Rogan, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has more power over Spotify than anyone. We're basically That's the true. Joni Mitchell of podcasts. We are We're not available <laughs> on Spotify. <laughs> Uh, so the question that we, we posed to to the group was, if uh, if Taylor Swift were to cover somebody else's album in its entirety, so not like an album of Bruce Springsteen covers, but an album of a specific Bruce Springsteen record, which I'm sure is what Jimmy's answer is going to be, uh, <laughs> what, what album would you like to hear front to back, Taylor Swift style? You can either, and you're welcome to specify, is she going... Uh, Taylor's version style and that trying to completely replicate it as it is like to make it sound as much like the album or is she putting her own kind of reimagining on it mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so I throw the question I put it in the middle of the floor and I back slowly away <laughs> I, like the, the I mean I'm ready I'm ready to go with these uh, this, is a great, this is a go great question which, which Bruce Springsteen album did you <laughs> I was not uh, I was not going Bruce Springsteen, try to keep it, uh, just Bruce Springsteen's grandfather. I would love to hear her cover Blood on the Tracks by Bob Dylan mm-hmm. um, to go a little back, to have her go a little more folky, a little more uh, acoustic, though Blood on the Tracks has a little more, is, is less acoustic than other Bob Dylan albums, but it's his... Bob's uh, great like divorce album. He's mm-hmm. often angry on that, and I would love uh, her to capture those emotions. And I mean, it also goes back. I feel like this this question. I was thinking of it as, what's the next steps I want her to take? I'm sure we'll um, talk about that in relation to Midnight's and where it falls in her discography and her like sound progression. Uh, so I would love to her go in that direction, or just I think the I think the the number one answer with a bullet is is Blue by Joni Mitchell. I just feel like uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Her wait, doing a Joni Mitchell. Wait on your second things before other people get to say what they're, they're <laughs> I just want to win the podcast by having the correct answer. Jimmy also unfurls a scroll. Yeah. <laughs> also this. Also this. Also this. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I've listened to her cover a lot of things, but uh, her singing jo- any Joni Mitchell those are my those are my picks. Those are good. I like that. I have have mine. This was also really hard. I feel like I was, yeah, trying to decide if I wanted it to be something like completely weird and different or something kind of like more classic or like a 90s album of like Smash Mouth or something, but because um, I just think it would be really funny. Um, but <laughs> All Star Acoustic, 10 minute version. <laughs> no, um, I decided to pick um, the album Modern Love by Matt Nathanson. It's my favorite album by him. I think um, their styles are kind of similar in that, like, He's very like pop singer songwriter who's like an amazing lyricist, um, and so I think it's it could be she could kind of put her own twist on it a little bit, but it would still kind of stay in the same style. And on that album, which I didn't even realize until after I chose it, was um, he does a, a song with Sugarland on the album, and so it's kind of like a and it's not even really a country song, but um, I <clears throat> excuse me, I like Sugarland, and I think uh, it could she could kind of you know, put her own old roots country on it. And I think it's a beautiful mm-hmm. album about love and good and bad. And I think that's kind of up her alley. So. <laughs> that is my pick. He's currently uh, going to be on, on tour and concerts with John Mayer. So that could be a fun collaboration, you know? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Reunite the whole Taylor gang. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody together. Yeah. <laughs> this is, It's interesting. We all kind of hit on some similar notes. Like, I... Um, I had the artist right away to the question. Um, I think because I wanted to hear some more of the country roots of Taylor come back out, uh, but not totally that direction. Like I'd like to keep some of the the song aesthetics that she has from Midnight's for this. But I was like, it's got to be something Johnny Cash. I think it's got to be the Folsom mm. Folsom Prison set. Uh, oh man! Ooh! I think she could do some intro because it's just dark enough without being like outrageously dark uh and again i think a poppier sensibility to that without losing the countryside would be that would be fascinating to me i was originally mm-hmm. thinking we should recreate the scenario but then that gets weird because it sounds like i'm telling taylor swift she has to go to prison but like not not mm-hmm. not that far we don't need to go that far yeah <laughs> yeah i love that i think that's great yeah. So I, uh, uh, like Jimmy, I have two. Of course you do. Uh, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. But it's more just like, what what vibe do you want? So <laughs> one is like, do I want 1989 Taylor Swift? Or do I want uh, Folklore Evermore Taylor Swift? And so my, my, my runner-up is the 1989 Taylor Swift, which is Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation 1814. Mm. Which is uh, like Bold. a straight-up banger. Like, great pop music. Because it's like Rhythm Nation... Uh, miss you much uh, love will never do without you uh, escapade all right black cat like a bunch of like real great like and lots of like kind of like it's it's it would be a really good record for like her range and stuff and lots of like kind of dance like a little bit of 1989 reputation kind of that era of Taylor Swift but with positive kind of good hooks and melodies and stuff like that so that would be my runner-up my go-to though is Tapestry by um, uh, Carol King. Um, that is the uh, that I think is the folklore evermore one, but le- a little less country and more singer-songwriting um, in the way that folklore and evermore I think really are. I love I feel the earth move. I especially I love Will You Love Me Tomorrow is one of I think the sweetest and most beautiful and heartbreaking songs I've ever heard. And it was like a she wrote it. Carol King wrote it, and it was recorded by a '60s like girl group. Uh, and then she re-recorded it for Tapestry, just with her and a piano. And it's uh, and like maybe it's light instrumentation, but it's really, really a Taylor Swift song in that sense of like because it's saying I, tonight, like we're gonna be together tonight. But will you still feel the same way about me tomorrow after we have? after you've gotten what you wanted from me. Like, do you want more about me than just this? And it's so sad. Uh, and then you've got a friend and like, I would even bring in James Taylor to sing background on everything as he did. 
what I was going to say is this. So, uh, <laughs> my, 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 my recording just stopped uh, so we had to start over. Uh, so rather than Taylor Sw- or, uh, James Taylor coming in and doing the background, you know who should be the James Taylor? Is Ed Sheeran. Mm. Ooh. And I just, Ed Sheeran just nicely blends. I'd just rather have James Taylor, right. personally. <laughs> in general? I mean, like if for everything? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'd just rather absolutely. have James Taylor. Uh, you are wearing a shirt that says I'd rather have James Taylor. So. <laughs> Number one shirt. Well, my question was going to be like, what artist or band of all, like, throughout history would you want her to collaborate with? Um, and not just like cover, but actually perform with or... Uh, Bleachers. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, but I was going to say put her with Fleetwood Mac and see what, what magic happens. Oh, you know? yeah. That would be great. Think of all the great songs that she'd have about uh, all the love affairs she would have with every member right. of Fleetwood Mac. Yeah. <laughs> what, yeah, it's the perfect the, marriage of people who yes. only write songs about having affairs with one another. Yes. <laughs> and their sounds, I mean, Fleetwood Mac is obviously like the pop, like rock sound, and they have the 80s synth sounds that she can vibe with, mm-hmm. so they've got it all for her. That's my, maybe my choice. Mine would be Linkin Park, a la Jay-Z. <laughs> It's a good question. I keep coming back to Bonnie Bear, but they did, didn't they? They worked together. On yeah. Everything? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did. The National. That'd be good. That'd be <laughs> also, good. Okay. she's worked with. Okay. <laughs> We're really creative on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, actually, it would be, and she's done a song, but uh, Phoebe Bridgers. I think that would be a great, that they, if they wrote a song, I mean, like, a la, like, Boy Genius. Like, they put they, her in Boy Genius. Full on. Oh yeah. yeah, that would be great. Put her in boy genius, you cowards. Yeah. <laughs> also, like do or just like be in do uh, make songs with Heim, but actually like where yeah. I can hear all of you and not just Yep. Yeah. As Taylor yep. often does. Taylor only when she collaborates with women, uh, other than Phoebe Bridgers, I think every other time it's just been like you can sing background like Lana Del Rey <laughs> on Midnights. Yeah. Uh, but when she gets yeah, but it's with men, they get full verses. They get full that's, Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Muna is now kind of in the extended universe because they'll That's be true. opening on some of her tour dates. So I think a collab there, which is also the the Phoebe Bridgers universe as well. So yeah, mm. that would be great. I mean, I would like to to go in a different direction, but I think that it's still in the same universe that just they just have never crossed paths. I would love to hear a uh, a present day Taylor Swift with a present day Paramore. Mm. Yes, I think it'd be excellent. I yeah. love Haley Williams. I love Paramore. I yeah. love what they sound like right now, especially their last record is one of my favorite records the last 10 years. And this new, they only wow. released run track out of this record that's coming out in February. Like they released this is like four months before the Ahead of the game, guys, out. yeah. Very Taylor Swifty, actually. Um, <laughs> what's their last, what's your favorite album in the last 10 years? After Laughter. It's okay. so great. Yeah. It's wow. so great. Oh, it's, it's like great. as a full record, listen to that record. Yeah, it's great. I have, it's great. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have an idea when it came out. Alone. Yeah. I love it. Anyway, let's not talk about that record. Let's talk about a different record. Uh, I'm Tyler. I'm Jay. I'm Jimmy. I'm Christine. And this is Robbing the Professor. everybody so so uh we we have um we're now working on our new schedule because uh one first off the new schedule is we actually record episodes again i thought you were going to say we're working on a new album which that would we're be- working <laughs> on a new album uh but our, our we're trying to fit into jay's new schedule at his new position jay uh-huh. is now uh the pastor of unnamed church are we naming the church we can name the church yeah beulah presbyterian okay. in churchill church Bula where i grew up uh so church where i my dad was pastor of that church when I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. So yeah. I was not wow. baptized there because I wasn't baptized until I was 12 because that's weird. Yeah. But I would have. I, I was there for the first two and a half years of my life. Yeah. yeah. At Beulah. 
anyway, so we we are trying to. This will be a concise episode if we can handle it. We've already done a great job of being really concise. It's not 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 on brand for us. Yeah. So I asked Jay after it had been several, it'd been quite a while uh, that since we'd recorded an episode, and uh, as we were getting ready to record something, I was like, uh, "Let's hey, let's let's do some more episodes." Uh, what do you want to record right away? Jay's like Midnight's Taylor Swift. I was like, Oh, nice. Have you heard it? He's like, Haven't listened to it at all. <laughs> Not a word. Not a lick. Being me, I uh, waited till the last conceivable minute to listen to any of it. So I uh, once again, he's listening to it right now. Thoroughly unprepared. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rather than just going necessarily track by track, uh, the the conceit was everybody is to think of three things. So basically, pick three songs that you want to talk about, um, and. Two of them are basically two songs that you would give an award to, and you can determine what that award is. And the third one is, what is a song on this record that you would get rid of, and it would make the record better? Mm-hmm. And the answer could be none of them, I guess. But uh, my guess is we would we would That's all have no an fun. edit. And when I want to start before the, we get the ground rules, so this is the this is the album if you are unfamiliar, "Midnight's" by Taylor Swift. Uh, and her whole it's basically a concept album she has said mm-hmm. where it is 13 nights 13 midnights that she's encountered over the last 10 years something like that or over her career i don't know that she put a time but it's all it's supposed to be moments from her past uh and that's the concept and these are all like different midnights that she experienced here's my question before we get into it are we including the 3 a.m. song yes. as part of the album proper. Yes, of course. 100%. <laughs> no question. If I'm not allowed to talk about the 3 a.m. songs, I might leave. I just like, I don't, no, no. I don't yeah. know. Oh, what to... We definitely should talk about them. But but uh, yeah, so this is not to say like we're not allowed to talk about those. But do we consider that part of the album? When she made such a point of saying these are 13 Yeah, and midnights. then three hours later she releases it. Here's so seven more songs. It's yeah. a scam. I, it's I mean, canon that it's part of it. Okay, I was going to say, if, if you... If you subscribe to her, the artist's interpretation that this is the 13 songs are concept album, and then here are seven more that didn't quite fit in, like, mm-hmm. I'd say, like, there is a difference between the 13 mm-hmm. and, the, and the seven. Um, but I also don't think the concept of the album is necessarily, like, super strong. So yeah. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with uh, tying yeah. in the seven. I kind of view it as we went to an album or a concert and she does one set that is 13 that is the album the full album and she and she makes it clear it's not an encore she's like I'm going to do my first set is going to be this concept and then we're going to take a 20 minute break and then I'm going to come back and give you a second set of these seven other songs cuz these seven other songs are not midnight songs per se it is interesting that she made a she made a real big point of saying this is a concept. It is these thirteen. I th- she obviously loves thirteen, but there is something. Uh, even if the concept is not in- incredibly obvious, there is a big difference, or there's a, a a significant difference between the seven at the end in the three a.m. sessions. I do like that they came out at three a.m. Uh, Pacific time or uh, Eastern time, which was midnight Pacific time. Oh yeah, Jimmy nailed it though. I think. I think. I think. I think that's what bothers me about the fact that I want it so badly to be part of it is like, yeah, I don't think Midnight's is a good concept album. I don't think there's <laughs> very like easy through lines and connections to all of them. So to me, it feels obvious that it is all one album. But but I if she if she says they're different, then I can believe it. All right, Christine, what is the song that you would uh, remove? This was hard because even though this isn't necessarily my favorite album of hers. I do really like it. And I, there aren't any real obvious skips for me like there have been in the past. Um, but I think a song that I wouldn't really miss, um, is Karma. And mostly because, like, it's, oh no. It's a, <laughs> Jimmy. Oh no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> Um, and, and kind spoiler alert, kind of the answer is for no good reason, but I think it's a fine song. I like it. I don't skip it, but I, I love Taylor in all forms, but probably my least favorite Taylor is revenge Taylor. And she always has her revenge songs, which I'm like, all right, here it is. Like we're ready for it every time, but there's kind of already one on there and it's vigilante shit. So in my head, kind of between those, and I know they're different songs, but to me, I'm like, cut karma. Um, I know there's kind of a whole other rabbit hole about 
like conspiracy theories about karma as this like uh unreleased album whole other story we don't need to talk about it we don't have the time for that um but i and so perhaps that's kind of her way of even addressing like the fan theories of that but to me i like vigilante shit better i think we could cut karma i'm i'd like to change the order and skip my cut song and go to one of my awards i'm giving awards for uh uh good vibes only and don't listen to the lyrics because i don't think they make any sense good vibes only karma what a what a jam what an absolute bop i love it it's she's yeah my favorite taylor is probably uh like pop good vibes bangers only taylor Mm -hmm. um and i'm and karma captures karma comes the closest out of all the songs in this i think to capturing that um and i love it and i don't really understand what she's trying to say i think when I read the lyrics or listen to it, I think she more uh, said, I should have a song called Karma and worked backwards from there <laughs> as opposed to <laughs> writing and then coming up with a title later. But, uh, you know, I, I don't really care because I think it sounds fun. I have a good time listening to it and that's what I want. Yeah, I agree. I like this. What was what was your, your award? Good Vibes Only. Good Vibes Only Award? <laughs> yeah. I would have uh, uh, not. I, I mean, I don't want to step on the toes of us talking about other songs, but I would have thought that Bejeweled would win the Good Vibes Only. The best vibes. But I guess musically, Karma is a little more uh, bubblegummy. So yeah, I uh, I would cut, and and it, again, not having listened very much, but I'm also uh, coming into this. My extensive research has been the play count on Spotify, mm, and and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that tells me a lot about this album in general too. Um, I would cut Sweet Nothing because it was the one song sonically that I was like, why are you here? Like, I, I this whole album is sending such a, it's going in this one direction. And then right there at 12, it just disa- drives off a hip into a different, uh, different genre entirely. So like, it was the first one. Again, I've listened to the album through three times now. And every time that song starts, I had the impulse to skip it. Um, <laughs> Wow. And I again, not knowing backstory, fandom, any of that like I, but it would also appear that everybody on Spotify agrees with me. Like it just, it's the one that's the least played of that particular album. Wow, that would be my cut. Wow, yeah. I, you, you're uh, looking at me with shock and indignation. Yeah, I have I the same face that, that Jimmy had when Christine said she was going to cut Karma. Um, I I will do. I'll pull a Jimmy and I will go to my superlative uh, rather than yeah. my cut because. Uh, Sweet Nothings is probably my favorite song on the record, uh, probably because really? of exactly what you just said. Uh, I do want to comment on the fact that I think that this is amazing is that I think that they said this has never happened before, that she had, because of the way that streaming is figured in something, when the album came out, she had all 10 songs in the top 10 on Billboard 100 were yeah. Taylor Swift songs, uh, which is insane. And also none of that matters anymore. No, like all of this is pointless. All of this is meaningless. It doesn't mean anything. Um, the whole world is a lie. Uh, we live in a simulation. Um, I think Sweet Nothings. All of, so, my general singular on this record. Uh, what's that? Yeah. It's singular. Just one, just one nothing. Yeah. No, I, I'm nothing. adding a couple. I have a bonus record. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, um, in, as Christine said, I, I think I like this record. Uh, it's it wouldn't be my ta- favorite Taylor record, but I think that she was going. It's a vibe record. It definitely is. A, I can put this record on at midnight and not pay attention to it. And it's a good soundtrack to kind of that feeling of like, I'm still awake, but we're just like the energy is kind of lower now. And it's a, I mean, to me, it feels like the soundtrack to the movie drive. Like I want to drive around <laughs> LA at night listening to this record where it's just kind of vibes and yeah. it makes me feel more than it makes me think. And in that sense, like a lot of the songs kind of feel like a, they are a feeling not a song except for to your point sweet nothing so my thing about the award that i would give to sweet nothing it is the uh the magic onion ring in your french fries when you go to fast food and you order french fries and then suddenly there's like one onion ring in there and like i didn't want onion rings but i'm really excited about this one onion ring and uh or like the curly fry in your regular fries or something like that the bonus fry yes and uh that's what sweet nothing is to me because it sounds like 
when Taylor Swift really wants to write a song, she's really great at writing melody, really great at writing uh, at l lyrics that capture something very simple, but you've never heard it articulated that way before. Right. And I think the lyrics to Sweet Nothing are incredibly sweet. I think the way that she says, what you've asked of me is nothing is so, it really tells exactly both something relatable and completely unrelatable in that Taylor Swift is someone who everybody asks everything of her and what she loves about this, about um, uh, Joe Alwyn basically, who co-wrote the song with her, uh, is you don't ask anything of me. Um, and that is, there's something beautiful about that. Or you ask nothing that everybody else does. It's really cute. It's very sweet. It does, it's like a lullaby, but Jay, to your point, it definitely doesn't fit on, I mean, it seems right. like, oh, she accidentally wrote a real song uh, in the midst <laughs> well, of this vibe record. It, in your defense of it, it's funny, it's just a difference of opinion, right? Because like in your defense of the song, you were almost making my argument for cutting mm -hmm. it. Like I have exclusively listened to this the last couple of days driving around. Mm -hmm. And that's why I say like every time this one comes up, I'm like, eh, it doesn't fit the vibe of it's a vibe else killer. Going yeah, on. it's a vibe killer right. compared to the rest of it. But it's not a bad song by any means. I think it's but, to me, I no. think it's maybe the best song on the record. Well, um, but, but like it most, doesn't fit on most record. albums have like uh, slow songs that like slow you down in the mm -hmm. I mean like or ending with like I mean it's the second to last song in the album proper uh, mm -hmm. and I think like I think that it really works the end that uh, karma and a sweet nothing and a mastermind like I think those three yeah. work pretty well because karma I mean karma is almost like the the end point of the like pop I mean it hits the like all right I did it and now I need to relax the sweet nothing and get in my feelings and then get ready for mm -hmm. mastermind as the sort of feelings mastermind plus is definitely the ending. Yeah. I really like mastermind. Yeah. I love mastermind. Uh, I think it would, it perhaps would have made sense for sweet nothing to be in the 3am sessions. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm sure like to your point, Jimmy, I think, I think it does. I, I don't, I'm not mad at it in the record. And actually whenever it hits me, I'm always like, Oh yeah, I haven't really, noticed a different song in this yes. album uh, and that's the first one you, where you notice like oh this is a new song and a new feel and it's not a feeling that's inconsistent with what she's trying to do but it is so different than the rest of the stuff that it, it's refreshing in a way that almost makes me uh disappointed is probably the right word in the rest of the record uh but i mean disappointed in a sense of like i kind of wish it was more but i understand why it isn't um yeah yeah so that's that's my, my superlative. Uh, all right, we're back to Christine. All right, so my first superlative is the song that got better after I read the lyrics. Um, mm. Because I think, you know, we're all agreeing, like, this is very vibey. There's a lot of, you know, and I love lyrics. Like, I'm someone who, like, if I get into an album, I need to, like, listen to it and then, like, sit down and read the lyrics. Because I think when you do that, it changes the way you view the song. Because you might be like, oh, I didn't really hear that or a song might sound happy, but it's really sad and things like that. And a song that I wanted to like more and I couldn't really get into until I read the lyrics was Snow on the Beach. And I'm not really a Lana Del Rey fan, so this was kind of, you know, neither here nor there with her. Um, but it, because I think... Fortunately, she's not really on the song. So yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> she really is neither here nor there. Essence, on... She she is in it the same way that like LaCroix <laughs> has actual flavor in it. Yeah. It's the essence of yeah. something. Essence of Lana yeah. Del Rey. That's a really good, really good comparison. <laughs> um, and I think like, yeah, the one of the disappointing things about this album for me was I feel like usually there's a couple songs that I like really connect to. And I feel like I didn't really get that with this album. Um, and I'm like, Oh, this is like a sweet love song. And I'm, I didn't really get much out of it, but after sitting down, I read the lyrics. I'm going to read you the second verse that wasn't even necessarily like now. Oh, it, it hits me so much, but it, uh, I just really like it. I think it's really beautiful. She's obviously an amazing lyricist. So second verse is, this scene feels like what I once saw on a screen. I searched Aurora Borealis green. I've never seen someone lit from within, blurring out of my periphery. My smile is like I won a contest, and to hide, that would be so dishonest. And it's fine to fake it till you make it, till you do, till it's true. And I was like, I did not hear that at all listening to this album. And it's just very kind of like Sweet Nothings. Like, it's very simple and sweet. It's basically being like, you know, the whole song is about like 
snow on the beach. It's this weird thing you don't really like expect or think about. It's a it's a bizarre kind of juxtaposition of things. And, um, you know, she's kind of comparing this love to this like Im- impossible impossibilities, this this uh, Aurora Borealis green light, all this stuff. And I just think it's very beautiful. Um, I like songs that kind of tell a story um, and that are, that are very simple. That it's just like, yeah, I feel kind of overwhelmed by this situation. I think that's very, very sweet. So I, I kind of see this song in a new light now. Um, so yeah, Snow on the Beach. Most uh, songs that got better after reading the lyrics. Uh, but that was going to be one of my superlatives, but I'll switch to another one because I had a couple. But my superlative for that was songs to teach a 12-year-old how to say the F word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like it really seems, that was, when she swears on this record, it does seem like a middle school kid who just learned how to swear. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know how to swear now and I'm going to yes. swear. It, and especially in the way that, so I, I got really excited about this this record. And the thing that I like is that if you dig on Spotify for a lot of artists, Beyonce does this. Uh, if you just search for the album, there will be a, a clean version of it. Um, and it's not listed as such, but you just see, oh, why are there two versions of this? And you just go, and there's no explicit lyrics. And in the Beyonce record, they just cut it out. Uh, or except for like Cuff It is, every once in a while it's re-recorded. Um, but in uh, in this one, it is re-recorded where it's a different version. It's not just edited out. And to that point, the, the F word in this song doesn't make the song better, I would say, especially yes. because hearing the version without it, it's not distracting. Like it's distracting to hear her swear. And I think, and I'm not saying she can't swear. I'm not trying to gatekeep her, her language, but because she has been such a kind of like accessible family friendly person, um, that when I when she does swear, like in Betty or in um, the one, or no, what's the yes. what's the opener? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I think that that one's, I think those are great because those swears are like useful, uh, and you're like oh, but that's what it's supposed to be. I, you don't need that in this song, and so it this the swear in this one just seems like hey, this is who I am now. I'm just a person who swears. Whereas the version without the swear is actually to to your point, Christine. Like the lyrics of this song are really great. Um, and you can yeah. miss them. And I heard the lyrics more when I listened to the the, the clean version of it. Uh, and so sometimes, sometimes the swears just seem a little performative in ways that, uh, that when she has used them well, they're really done well because she isn't someone you expect swears from. So when you hear them, it's really powerful. Uh, and comparatively, uh, just because I, I really want to have an episode where we talk about Renaissance. Uh, I was, uh, but yeah, I was going to come on yeah. like uh, three billboards outside of Missouri, you know, like Francis McDormand, like really uh, holding up three billboards, like really two <laughs> episodes on Taylor Swift. Yeah. Still no, no really, Beyonce pod. I really want to talk about why uh, Reverend Dr. Tyler point. I Domsky. think we just, we missed, we missed and, the point. But, but what I, what I would say, my whole point of that is that every single F word on Renaissance beautiful beautiful like it is so when when beyonce swears she she is like weaving a tapestry of elegant profanity in a way that is essential to those records i i the two things one uh jimmy back me up on this uh the west wing episode needs to happen tomorrow like that we, we where are we at with that like i've been, I've been ready for four begging, years begging to do yeah, I am a, we'll, as equipped make the- for the West Wing episode as you were for the Taylor Swift episode two days ago. <laughs> great, great. So let's do it. It's fine. Uh, but there was I can't remember what Will Smith movie did to this point. I I, I had Snow on the Beach. Uh, the superlative I was going to give it was most likely to get a teenager in trouble when their parents walk in to the room <laughs> and listening to it. Because I can't remember what Will Smith movie this is from, but there's a kid in the movie that keeps swearing, and Will Smith's response to him every time is, stop cussing, you're bad at it. <laughs> and, and it's not its not that I have a problem with swearing on an album. I don't. I'm probably the most likely on this podcast to drop an F-bomb while we're recording and make Tyler edit it out. No chance. <laughs> but this all just, every time she curses on this album, I'm a little bit, especially in this song, I'm like, ah, you didn't need that. Like I, I understand. Like sometimes it's there and it's okay and that's fine. But like, eh, it just didn't. It hit me the wrong way, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, uh, I swore at youth group the other night. I'm now youth leader at youth group and devolved <laughs> whatever sort of lesson discussion time we we're gonna have into. You are you are the the Mark Driscoll of youth ministry. Great, <laughs> 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 right. thank you for that one. Uh, awesome. <laughs> 
uh, my point being, I love uh, swearing, and it's I think it's mostly fine. And yeah, just something about the way she does in this album felt like it's going to be really cool. Like if I swear here, uh, <laughs> yeah. as opposed to like you said, like on her previous time she's done it, I thought it was like it was affecting and and mm. good. Uh, and, yeah, for whatever reason, multiple times this album was just like, okay, all right. Like, I don't know if that was exactly what that needed. It just sort of takes it takes me out more than uh, yeah. keeps me. There's going. a couple. There, I, I'm not against all the swears on this record, but this this particular. I'm pretty song, much against because it's, almost everyone. I forget. Which I one. mean, yeah, I think most of again <laughs> with the edited version, most of them can you can take them out and it doesn't hurt the song, and in some ways it helps the song. But right. this one in particular, because it's in the hook, like it's. It, it uh you really it really stands she really wants you to see it and it's like okay i get it yeah all right uh i think i'm up next because uh christine did the song getting better when you read the lyrics We're bouncing. yeah We're bouncing. but i'll say yeah. i'll keep it quick and just say i'm gonna go jump to the 3 a.m songs my cut would be paris uh, i think that song's really bad <laughs> i think that song is just like an immediate skip I love, wait, Ooh, I want to comment because so no one rough. can see this. The face that Jimmy made when Christine was going <laughs> to cut Karma was the exact face that Christine just made when Jimmy's going to cut Paris. So continue. <laughs> I mean, I can't wait for that defense. Horror face. But this is just, yeah, your parents just told you the, to- the tooth fairy is not real. You just heard Taylor Swift drop an F-bomb. Uh, you make yeah. a face. Uh, I don't have much to say besides I would cut Paris because I don't really ever want to listen to it ever again. <laughs> Who's next? Wait, no, rebuttal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, I'll i save it for when my turn comes back around, but I do just have one question, and that is how dare you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'll, that's okay, I'll collect my thoughts. Um, it's fine. Well, moving on. Jay, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, my so I gave I gave one of my superlatives kind of out of order. The other was uh, most likely to be covered poorly on YouTube by a teenager, <laughs> uh, and I I gotta go question. Every time mm. I heard it, I was like, I could see someone you know trying to fumble around with the guitar chords and feel like they're doing a really moody version of that song. Uh, and bonus points if they just like anonymously send it to people, you know, like, oh, here, th- this is for you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I I would be shocked if I didn't go on YouTube right now and find someone sitting in a poorly lit bedroom strumming away on a cheap guitar to the song question. My request at some point in the future, this is I want a birthday and or Christmas present from Jay. That you send to me after oh, I forget yeah. about this. That sometimes you just send me a video of you singing that song to me, <laughs> and that's all. Can do, buddy. Yeah. It's like yep. it's do. like a cameo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll pay you fifty bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's open to everybody. I'm in it for a quick buck. If you want me to cover some song for you, fifty bucks, and I'm there. You know. Yeah. Hey, listener, if you'd like a cameo from uh, us, a celebrity <laughs> podcasters, let mm-hmm. us let us know. Yeah. The, swear, I, the swearing I can't youth believe, master. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe people listen to the show for free. I can't imagine anybody's forking over fifty bucks. I know. To... We're really we're we're not marketing this the right way. Uh, I would say <laughs> this was kind of going to be my my cut. So we'll go into this because it's time for me. Uh, my cut is question. Oh wow. Yeah, I think yeah, and I know that this is like it's everybody's favorite song because it like it is the the goldmine of Gaylor. Uh, uh, stop like it is uh, I think that everybody wants to know the meaning of that so it's intriguing but I think it's a bad song um, it is one lyrically it it's she is really wrestling that meter into submission trying to fit this yes. really wonky like yes. oddly phrased thing and also can I ask you a question have you ever uh, been kissed in a crowded room or whatever the thing is and, and the answer is no no one has ever, this has never happened to anyone yeah. ever ever you and like I understand right. wait, wait wait you've never no one's you think no one's ever kissed in a crowded room yeah and everyone like, was making fun of you wait and everyone was making fun of you and then 15 seconds later everyone was applauding to like that no that that's I never mean happened. that's, so that's like, specific. Uh, clearly yeah. Clearly, I don't think Harry. I don't think so. Harry going to kiss Ginny after they uh, she brings the Quidditch cup in the Gryffindor so, common room. Oh, this song. This song <laughs> is really this a, is just fanfic a fanfic. A fanfic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I'm I'll just be honest. <laughs> no one has ever clapped after I've kissed anybody. Like that's just yeah, that's true. Yeah, like yeah. I think it's just I understand what she's trying to do. I think that she's trying to be more clever than she needs to be. I think there's a. I think this is a good first draft. At at to the to the to be fair, I think that this does fit into better than a lot of the other ones. The the conceit of this is a midnight evening that I had. And I, I like the, the idea of this song, and I think the, uh, the concept of this song should be on here. I think the hook, or the, the refrain is terrible, uh, like lyrically. And that is not yeah. something she is known for. She is not known for bad refrains and bad lyrics. And I think that that, to me, is why I would, ta- I would just take it off to say, hey, work on this a little bit more and then come back. <laughs> Only because you, Taylor Swift, are excellent at both of these things. And the, there's not, like, try to hum this song. It doesn't really have a melody. No. Um, it is a slave to the story she's trying to tell or kind of the clues she's trying to drop. And I wish she just, she's usually really good at telling stories with really good lyrics. Um, and this one, I think because of the sensationalism of, of it clearly being about a woman um, uh, and really feeding it to the Gaylor stuff, which I think is fine. Uh, uh, and like, I think it does, it probably is an authentic story of her life. Uh, and I think that that's great, and it's a it's a wonderful thing to contribute to this. Uh, I understand kind of what she's talking about in terms of the meaning, but the way in which it's phrased is just really weird. Um, and again, I think that that even if that line was in there, that shouldn't be the refrain. Uh, I don't need to hear that four times because every time I hear it, I I am just reminded of how oddly this doesn't musically fit. Um, so yeah, I would I think the record is better if you take this song off. Uh, as it's currently uh, done, maybe redo it, uh, come out as a bonus track. And and for all those reasons and many more is why I want to see somebody make that the first song they've learned to play on the guitar and yeah. put it up on YouTube. Like if you try, if you're trying to rhythmically sort things out, this is not the place to start. Well, it goes back, uh, I think, to my one other like common critique. I don't. I feel like she, especially on, I guess it's probably the recency bias of Evermore and folklore, but where the writing really seemed to like, she was writing these short stories and these, uh, and then the music was coming after. And it just feels a lot like, and I mean, this will go into, I mean, I could talk for hours about how sick of Jack Antonoff I am, uh, especially (laughs) with Taylor Swift. Uh, It's just like her, her, she's trying to fit all these lyrics into a, like like a smaller section that is available. Right. She, it here, I think that, I mean, it happens on question, but it happens at other times where it's like, Oh, you're just trying to get this all in uh, to this spot, and it just feels like I don't know. She's trying to fit into Jack's production, is how mm-hmm. I feel like I I felt, and that could just be me bringing my exhaustion into it. But yeah, um, but my uh, my award would just be thank God for Aaron Desner, and that goes to the Great War and High Infidelity and Would Have Could Have Should Have, uh, which were the three Aaron Desner produced tracks, and. Could not. I mean, they could have come sooner. Um, and but just really, once you finish those thirteen songs and get into the bonus tracks, and you start with uh, just a, you can hear her voice. I really feel like, especially in the Great War, but in all three of them, uh, her voice is just a lot more clearer and focused than I think she has a lot of layering or production done on a lot of the other songs. And just to get back to that pure like uh, shot of adrenaline you get from just hearing her great voice. Um, also, just as clarity for people who may not be as deep into the woods as we are in this. Uh, are you out of the Jack woods Antonoff yet? And, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, uh, Jack uh, Antonoff and Aaron Desner uh, co-produced uh, Folklore and Evermore. Uh, and, and maybe even some of uh, Lover. Desner was not. No, Jack has been producing songs since 1989. This is the first record that he did every single track on it. Um, and you can tell. And so this is full on Jack Antonoff. Um, and, and so the production and and obviously there was intentional cohesion to the sound of all the songs, but especially so just they're all vibing the same way, but they're all produced exactly the same way. And yeah. um, gets to be a lot. And, that's- and then Aaron Desner comes in in some of the, the bonus tracks. Yeah, I love Jack Antonoff. I was a big Steel Train fan. That was, I think, his first band um, that I listened to a lot in high school. And so I think he's someone who, like, kind of isn't a one-trick pony, but is turning into one. And so, like, he did Steel Train and then Fun and now Bleachers and now, like, 
you know, Taylor Swift extended universe. And so I think he very much has a style that you can really like thread the needle through and see, but like these bands are all very different. And so I think like he is Mm -hmm. incredibly talented. I obviously love him. And I think this album, I forget who said it. I heard someone say this, that like, this kind of sounds like a cover album of herself. And it's like, kind of going back to the well on a lot of things, which is great. But it's, I think, as a people, we were really expecting something different and a little more, um, like, I feel like this album is very thin. Like, it, I wanted more dynamicism. I wanted more depth. Um, like, I think the artistry gets lost in the style a little bit in the same way where I'm like, oh, I didn't even hear these lyrics because I think I was, like, distracted by all this other stuff. That being said, I do love it. I will... I found myself like getting in the car and putting on something else and then immediately being like, <coughs> no, I need to be, <coughs> sorry, listening to Midnight's. So I'll like turn it back on. So I do really like it. I think it'll kind of grow on me like as we continue. And I think I, I want her to keep working with Jack, but I think like it, this is a good example of like, I can't think of an analogy, but kind of just like, oh, yeah, you're you're kind of doing the same thing with someone. And that's fine because it's successful. But now, like, even, yeah, with Evermore and Folklore, like, that was incredibly different and it was incredibly successful. And we know she's capable of doing so much. And so I think, at least for me, I was like, we were all kind of let down of like, oh, we thought it was going to be this thing. And then it kind of was. So, yeah. And just like... Uh- it just, it all feels so, comp- it feels like compressed. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not a music producer. Like, I don't really understand a lot of what I'm talking about. But just, like, the way I think she sings and she sounds on a lot of the Jack tracks um, just feels like, it's, like, cool and electronic and, like, is good vibes. But it really, I just feel like she comes out more on the Aaron Desen tracks. And just to, I mean, I don't know how many words we have. But just would have, could have, should have is probably my favorite song on the whole uh project um and uh that just ties into it being like a pure not pure but just like a a different vibe and like i guess those sound like more of a progression from her sound on folklore and evermore and the rest of this album to me sounds like a progression of her sound from reputation to lover Mm. like if this album came out before folklore and evermore i would have been like oh yeah this logically makes sense after Lover, like where her sound was going. Um, mm. But I think because it comes after Folklore and Evermore and the re-releases where you're inundated in that early Taylor, like Fearless and Red, um, I think that's probably why my Jack, like exhaustion hits too. We're just like, all right, like not only is Jack like helping produce this, like he's with Lord, he's with uh, Charlie XTX, I believe, like mm. a lot of, uh, especially women, uh, modern pop stars, like he helps produce and just that sound, that same like, drum like 808 that is on all of these um just what is gonna... it the the antonoff jump is yeah that it? The, the antonoff upswing yeah. Yeah, yeah the upswing uh yeah i agree with you jimmy but i would actually put it just a little further to me this seems like the bridge between reputation and lover um if this record had come out between reputation and lover like yeah that makes sense and i think that that be if reputation had not been i mean it sold a, a, a ton of records but it was like the first kind of like, why are you doing this? Like there was a lot of backlash to that and lover. She jumped to lover in a way that I, that I think lover is a great record. It's, it's one of my favorite records, like front to back. I mean, I you've only, just li- really, only one of three you've listened to. So. It's one of the few that I've listened to, yeah. but I, I still go back to it and I still really love it. Not much to uh, say there. I, I mean, yeah, I, well, I really, I, I think <laughs> I like it more than folklore and evermore as full records, which I know is blasphemous That's to say, crazy. but I think it's a really great record as a pop record. Like it's really great. And I, to me, this feels like if you, if reputation and lover had a baby, it would be this record, um, yeah. both in terms of themes and in terms of music. And yes. I think that this would be a natural progression to get the, the residual, um, kind of angstiness and, uh, uh kind of snake persona out from reputation and to move into something like lover is oh i'm actually happy with who i am and i'm happy in the relationship i am and reputation was uh oh you think i'm this well let me tell you and this record has a lot of the who am i and i'm still this but then ends with something like sweet nothing which is a nice transition into lover well i think the Um, idea though of like i actually i mean i'll just like to art for the to argue with you like 
lover makes sense as the I'm just getting into a relationship and I'm so excited. And like, look at the thrill of like the first X number of months or like the honeymoon phase of a relationship where yeah. I'm excited. And Midnight's is like, she's still, I mean, the, the themes of this album are still like, she's still into her relationship and love and like being happy, but she's also reflecting on her whole life, her whole, I mean, yeah. this whole album is, it samples different tracks of hers. I mean, she's going back to lyrical themes or lyrical like, uh, I mean, she's like, has a song about John Mayer again. Like she's reflecting mm. as like an adult where like, I'm in a relationship sometimes at midnight, even in a great relationship, you're like, oh, like uh, I'm still figuring out who I am or figuring out what this is. And um, I don't know, I think it yeah. makes sense as a lover coming in as the first year of a relationship excitement and midnights can be the like still in it and going well. But uh, I think towards the end, yeah, I think that the the latter half of the album really is in that like I'm still happy with this. I also would put it after reputation because it does seem like a summation of her life, the previous like yes. 15 years. Oh, for sure. And so whereas reputation is the culmination of that record contract, like that's her last thing with the Scooter Braun situation. And Lover is the first like emancipation record um, that this is, I, I'm going to, it is looking back. And so what does make this feel like a regression is she has, is looking back at her life and kind of commenting on these nights. And so yes. that seems like, from a thematic standpoint, that that is an appropriate time to do that is post reputation, uh, and say like, actually, here's all this stuff, and especially now that I'm in a in a in a relationship that's working really well, and my vibe has been a lot of relationship songs and a lot of like different like problem relationship songs. So let me get the, all the rest of those out of the way, and then moves into sweet nothing, which is a sweet like I'm really happy with this relationship, and this is the first one that hasn't asked me, and then into masterminds like I've been doing it the whole time, and and I think that that actually moves into lover in my mind both both in terms of that but also uh, as this is a record looking back at the everything that came before this yeah that's why i would put it there. we lost jay there for a little bit so i'm assuming we're losing a lot of the listeners too and are just argument over semantics yeah jump back to christine <laughs> yeah uh my last award is uh is about paris not necessarily about how much i love it the award is song with the funniest misheard lyrics um mm. Paris was kind of one I, yeah, I think, hopefully you all know what I'm talking about. If you don't, um, mm -hmm. you can't unhear it. Um, I think Paris, similar to, I forget uh, who said what, but it, or well, even you about karma. Like, I think it's such a bop. I, it's been stuck in my head all weekend. I, I think it, it kind of does belong on the 3AM tracks because it, you know, is just sort of a fun and silly song. But so there is in, uh, in the chorus, I guess, uh, there's a line that says, we stumble down pretend alleyways, which is a very normal sentence, it, as it were. Like, it's, you know, it doesn't sound kind of unusual. But in the song, and I'm going to do like a terrible interpretation of it, but it sounds like, da -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da. <laughs> and it's like the funniest thing. Um, and to the point where I was like, is she saying words here? And maybe she just didn't enunciate very well in the recording yeah 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 and i part of me is like maybe she is just saying nonsense i don't know mm -hmm. this song is just sort of like sweet candy and it's kind of just a fun throwaway song um and i i think i even saw someone on tiktok talking about it and i listened to it so many times before looking up the lyrics because i'm like i don't think she's saying anything and then i once i read what the lyrics were i'm like oh she is saying words and now i hear it but i still i like to believe that she's just sort of like like she forgot the words and is like <laughs> and then gets back into it so uh i love paris absolutely would not uh drop it i think it's a super fun song and it has amazing lyrics that it's, I personally never heard Starbucks lovers um, in blank space, but some people would swear oh, that they, you, yeah. oh yeah. So to me, this is the new Starbucks lovers. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. Good work, Taylor. Yeah, I'm very much of the mind that if we were to continue this and just just turn this into a Taylor Swift podcast, it should just be called Lonely Starbucks Lovers. It should be the, <laughs> the title of the podcast. What uh, what does she rhyme Paris with? That is yeah. an incredibly ridiculous. No, rhyme. it's Sorry. incredible. That's that's what I love about it. I think <laughs> she rhymes it with um, somewhere else. It's like, yeah, I I love rhymes that kind of don't work. Like, I think, no, I think the song is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I will die on this hill. 
I am more on your side. I mean, I do think it. I would oh, keep God. it. I'm not on the Jimmy hater side, but I, oh, I am God. always. Every time that rhyme comes along, I'm like, did you, did you do that? Drew's <laughs> uh, out for me on that. She goes into it with confidence, which is she what. Does. That is so right. I'm like, yeah. Well, I just want to say, here's my superlative: best opening single she's had on any record. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That is, Absolutely. That's all I have to say. I think I think she is great at picking terrible songs as her opening record singles. <laughs> like first three singles are always terrible. Antihero I think is the best single on yeah. the on the album, and that lead single, great, great video. Uh, that's all. Yeah, it's been the, it's first yeah. first time I can remember where I was like, oh, that's right, she did it. Yeah, she made picked that's the best a song good single. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna ask to go back to Christine was talking about her uh, positive affirmations for Jack. Uh, maybe my more negative, like. Where would you like, what sound would you like her to go to next? Like, do you have a direction for a next album? This can be for everyone. Like, it ties back into our opener. Uh, I think it's a good closer. Like, what would you like, you know, if we're talking about this sounded like she's progressing or in between sort of a reputation lover vibes? Do you want her to go back to something else, go in a new direction? I mean, just trust her to wherever she goes. Do you have any, any thoughts on that? I think uh, another band or album I was like, considering having it be my cover is the Ava brothers, because I love Mm -hmm. the way the Ava brothers like mix genres and they do like country Mm -hmm. and folk and rock and kind of, you know, piano ballads. And I think all of their albums, especially like I in love and you is kind of, there's a lot of different styles in it. And I think even though I don't think anyone should lay a hand on that record, I think uh, something where she can like, even, I mean, going back to folklore, like she, can can go to these slower places and these kind of stripped down places, but also kind of, yeah, it goes back to Roots of Country or Americana with Fleetwood Mac and things like that. So something something more Americana maybe would be really cool. Well, that, that, that kind of tees up, you know, so Tyler mentioned in the beginning, like I, this was the first thing I wanted to talk about when we came back, if only because there was so much cultural hype around it. Um, and I'm not the biggest Taylor Swift fan, but the first time I listened through it, I was the question that came to mind. I think we've been dancing around it the whole time was, was this what people expected of this album? And and I don't think so. Like I, I'm not saying this in a bad way. Like I, I think it's a good album. I think there's a lot of good songs on it. But the whole way through it, first of all, I'm with Jimmy entirely. I feel like it's overproduced in a lot of places. Like there, there's a lot that to the point of almost inauthenticity. Um, which is weird for her. Uh, you know, like that, that's part that kind of threw me off was like, she, I think of her as a more stripped down, honest, straightforward artist. And this doesn't feel like that. Um, yeah. So like, I just, I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't this, um, which again, isn't a bad thing. I think it's a good album. It's just not the album I saw. Even with the marketing of it. I think that's what a lot of people are talking about is like the, the marketing photos and everyone's like, Oh, it's going to be this kind of like vintagey, um, you know, certainly like she's being tortured at midnight and, and then it comes out with this super synthy, you know, yeah, certainly overproduced kind of album. And we're all like, Oh, I, I, sure. I guess. I think uh, two things on that line. Like I, uh, Christine Avett Brothers yeah. is, a, is a great uh, direction for it, and es- especially with this, in that like the first couple of Avett records, uh, Avett Brothers records did not do well because they were an amazing live band, but when they recorded their stuff, it sounded too, uh, it sounded kind of inauthentic and produced, and people didn't like it, and so they finally, I think it was I in Love and You was the first one they basically recorded that live, um, and it's not a live album, but it's recorded live and has a completely different feel and almost all the records they do that way in the way that this feels so produced and like i it's hard to imagine i was just thinking about that today like seeing this live would not be exciting because everything is just push a track push a pre-recorded track and then she just like and her voice would be so covered up with reverb and and stuff like that that it's it's just an experience Mm -hmm. this is a record to listen to not a thing to perform and so i would love to her to get back to a record that feels like it was recorded live which is a lot of uh folklore evermore the the less produced tracks feel like that the aaron desner type stuff um and so i would love to hear that i also i like this record a lot because it feels like a palate cleanser i feel like she was on a trajectory 
and the pandemic threw that off and folklore and evermore are a good flex of like here's what i can do but also i still had this idea that i hadn't finished yet and to me this feels like wrapping up an idea mm. um to say i i have other stuff that's going to come differently but i'm looking back and let me get all of this stuff out of the way here's what i was doing and so it feels like an interlude and if we were to listen to all of her records together i wouldn't skip this record because it is a good like uh energy shift um and it, it puts us right back to the progression that she was going with uh reputation mm -hmm. and lover uh and and not disregarding the other two but saying like i still had like when i'm making pop music i was doing that the thing that i would say to jimmy's question is i would like to hear her instead this to me feels like a lana del rey record and i think we've kind of several of us have said we don't really like lana del rey i like lana and del rey and okay lana del Rey's jimmy loves lana del rey <laughs> I don't like Lana Del Rey because to me, it seems like it's all production and it's less about the performer and more about the vibe. Mm -hmm. um, and if you want a vibe record, great. But uh, almost anybody can sound like Lana Del Rey. Not a whole lot of people can sound like Taylor Swift. And so when Taylor Swift tries to sound like Lana Del Rey, that's not very <laughs> impressive. Uh, and so I'd rather her sound like Taylor Swift and I would rather her go the Heim record, the Heim that, route. That to me, yeah. I would love to hear a Taylor Swift like indie rock album yeah and heim is and heim can do like like right now is like a taylor swift song basically uh because it's introspective and and slow but it's produced in a very interesting way when she works with heim i would like to hear her write a rock album yeah, like indie rock definitely. album yeah i was gonna i mean and jack has enough produced this record also in a way i think is good but what about gaslighter by the chicks like go like because that's, I mean, you say the chick, the Dixie Chicks, the chicks, like, you, it's, oh, you want her to go country again. I'm like, well, Gaslighter is, like, rock. I mean, mm -hmm. um, and it's, like, full band production. So, yeah. Gaslighter's great. Yeah, it really is. Um, so, yeah, to go in that direction, I agree. Like, uh, what you were saying about live instrumentation, like, uh, recording that way. Um, or, like, Heim, um, they did a video a few years ago with Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, mm -hmm. My Boy. Uh, mm -hmm. called Valentine, just like a 15-minute YouTube video. They just like were in the studio and performed these songs just like in a little recording studio live um, and to do stuff. Well, that's what is right now part of that. The video for I right now so. is also PTA, and that's one of my favorite videos where it's just, yeah. it's all one one take, and they're just yes. performing it live. And, yes. and that version is better even than the album version. Yeah, uh, so that, I agree that yeah. I'm or the chicks like that direction would be very fun for me. But I'm pretty, the and to go back to what you said about this being a palate cleanser album, like, we're recording this, what, like a month after this came out um, mm -hmm. or whatever. Uh, and I think in like 10 years, we could look back at this in the span of her discography and be like, oh, that really worked for what it was right there. And like, yeah. it'll yeah. grow and it'll change and we'll think different things. Um, but just right now, when you're sort of in the hype of like, wow, new Taylor Swift music, it's been a while. Um, and to get new pop Taylor Swift, you're just sort of, it, it, the expectations game is hard to get out of thinking like, oh, well, Taylor doesn't need to do a palate cleanser. Every Taylor album should be an event, like a huge, mm -hmm. big thing that conquers the world. Um, and it wasn't quite that, at least in sound. I mean, uh, so, but it's it's very good uh, and it's fun and we all enjoy it. Just for the sake of podcasting, all probably went slightly more negative uh, or just to discuss. That's just how we roll. Yeah. yeah to and and to direct directly address J, jay's question like what were we expecting i think what we found is that this is probably the album not the album that we wanted but the album that taylor needed to do yes um either both to say like hey i've kind of run out of ideas so i need to just like put this out and then lower the expectations for my next one or uh, I have these ideas that I want and these these thoughts that I want to get out there and this feeling of a very specific vibe. And I'm going to give you that. I, I, I think it's a great yeah, record. And I, I think mean, it will hold up, but it will not be in her top three. She spent, like, she is re-recording all of her past music, so it makes sense that her headspace for music and writing and, like, performing is, like, rec recollecting and, and processing all of her past life as an adult. Like, she mm -hmm. has sung about, like, all her experiences and her breakups and relationships and growing up like as was happening but reflecting on those things as an adult like and as those offenses in the past like is a different experience and so for her it felt like she need she she needed this and wanted to do this um and so i'm just curious to see where she goes next what are we plugging 
Wait, Twitter Twitter question is the first thing. I have a question if you don't have one. Go ahead. Uh, what's, to what degree do um, artists that we love owe us what we want yes. versus what they're <laughs> willing to put out? That's a great question. Because I think that Taylor, I think that this There's is, I don't question. think that this is, yeah, I don't think this is a B-size record or just like something thrown out. I think that she had a vision and she feels really good about what she put out. Yeah. I think we had an expectation and it was very different. And this record is doing well. People like it. So it's sure. not like this is reputation or anything like that. Uh, I mean, it's, well, but it is different than what we expected. And is that, do we have the right to be beholden to that? I think we could right. feel how we want to feel, but should we be upset with her? And reputation, like, angered or like it had a very polarized uh, reaction in the moment. I think mm. probably oh, almost certainly because of the singles she chose. Mm. Uh, but of, I mean, that's, that is. For sure, her most popular album for anyone under the age of 25, 23. I mean, like every young person I talk to, if they like to, so it's like, well, it's reputation. That's the one. So I mean, like, while in the moment, and especially like most people that react publicly online in a way that we would see, and probably most of our listeners would see, are music critics or people your age and who are all mostly uh, older white men primarily yeah. uh and so like our reactions are not universal reactions and will not uh span like over the span of history uh newer younger people's thoughts and ideas and feelings on this will come to the forefront and it'll be interesting to see how they reacted mm-hmm. all right what are we plugging i would like to plug the best show on television right now it's called andor have you ever heard of it no it takes place in the star wars universe <laughs> I would like to say that I have watched all Star Star Wars. You ever heard of it? Uh, A little bit. Is that with Spock? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Obi Wan, I thought was incredibly not very good and disappointing. Boba wow. Fett was horrendous Shot until it changed fired. into the Mandalorian. And frankly, the Mandalorian is is good, but Andor is. I as we are recording, ten of the twelve episodes have come out, and it is every week it continues to be better and more interesting. And I think it's rising up the ranks of my all-time Star Wars anything. And it might be like two or three. I mean, it is that good. I will have to trust you on that because I I told this to Tyler and this is still true. I watched the first episode of Andor and it did not grab me and I haven't gone back since. Mm. I will return to it. Christine, what are you playing? Um, I'm going to plug uh, an album by the singer Leon. She's a Swedish singer. Um, her album Circles came out this year, and it's so good. Can't stop listening to it. And I feel like if you like Taylor Swift, uh, you will love her. Uh, I, I want to pl- uh, plug real quick. This is this is move, but highly recommended to me by uh, uh, Mr. Jimmy Dykstra. He said, don't read anything about this. Just go see it. Uh, the movie Barbarian. Yes. And it was amazing. Amazing. So good. High recommendation to the movie Barbarian. Don't read anything about it. It's on HBO Max right now as of this recording. Uh, it is a horror movie that is not gross. I mean, there, there are parts of it are, oh. but like it's more it's more a thriller, I would say. Um, and it's it's great. There are parts of it that are really bad, but it's it's not it's not like uh, hereditary or something like that that's gonna give you like gonna hurt your soul. Sure. Uh, I'm gonna just be contrarian. I was gonna plug some coffee company that I've been subscribing to, but I think Obi Wan is incredible, <laughs> and it's because I have a man crush on oh McGregor. God. Oh so I just God. just to mess with Jimmy, go watch Obi Wan. I thought it was fantastic. That's, well, uh, that's a with bad that. That's a that's take. a good that's a good rollout. Uh, I've been Tyler. I've been Jay. I have been Jimmy. I've been Christine. And this has been Robbing the, the Pastor. Pastor. Thanks Pastor. everybody. Thanks for coming back. Uh, Will we? I think we're gonna. I know we say this all the time, but we we really are are excited for this new era. Uh, yeah. Now that Jay is in his new stick and like we work in this in, so we're gonna get regular episodes out to you on a regular basis. So <laughs> thanks. Uh, we'll see you soon at the next episode. Bye everybody. <laughs>